If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We'll be uh, looking this morning at uh, verses 5 to 18. Now, uh, some of you have been doing your homework and reading through the book of Hebrews through the week, which is wonderful. Um, I've already heard a few coffee jokes this morning about you know, how much God loves coffee. It's here in the Bible because it says Hebrews. Uh, you know, all these little corny coffee jokes people are throwing at me this morning as they've read through um, the, the book of Hebrews. Uh, now, there's nothing in this book actually about coffee, but there is some great stuff. Uh, and so we want to work our way through this book together as a church. Last week, uh, we were talking about, well, the whole series really is about Christ. Uh, overall on the power and authority, the majesty that, uh, that God has, and how he uses that to provide our salvation. Last week we talked about how Jesus Christ is higher uh, than the angels and the, the authority, the majesty that he has, and um, how he is fully man but yet fully God, uh, and all the authority there is in Christ Jesus. Uh, today we're looking, uh, last week, sorry, we were looking at uh, chapter 1 uh, through the first four verses really of chapter 2. Uh, this week we're looking at the remainder of uh, chapter 2, so if you haven't uh, read along with us so far, you don't have a lot of catching up to do, just the first couple chapters. Uh, read through the, uh, the next couple as we start to get into next week as well. Uh, this week we're looking a bit more uh, into how God himself placed Christ on the earth as a man uh, to walk, to talk, even to be tempted as a man, and yet Jesus remained fully God. Uh, Jesus bore then the sins of all humanity and death so that all mankind, any who choose to believe in him, could have life. Now, I, I want to sort of begin by an apology in that I was trying to be really organized uh, this week and I thought I was uh, really, um, you know, really together. And then I found out this morning I wasn't as together or organized as I thought I was. So um, I was here early this morning and going back through all the, the PowerPoint stuff, getting all the scripture, uh, make sure all that's ready for you to go, all the nice, you know, really impressive photos and things like that for you, get it really ready. I was going through the sermon, practicing it in my office this morning, and um, those of you who are, are preachers and maybe you've, you've given speeches, maybe you just remember back to your school days when you were giving speeches, have you ever practiced a speech and you've practiced it and practiced it, you go, that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, well, I was kind of, I wasn't thinking the sermon was that great, but I was just kind of, you know, in, in the moment with the, the message, and I was uh, going through it over and over this morning and rereading this passage and just going, man, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, this is really great stuff and really getting into it. Uh, and then somehow I, I didn't save the PowerPoint to my USB and bring it over here for you. So if you want to look at some wonderful PowerPoint for the message, it's over at the office. Uh, but you don't have it here this morning. So, um, so you just have to read along in your copy of the Scripture. If you don't have your copy of the Scripture with you, uh, maybe scooch into someone next to you who have a, has a copy of God's Word. And we're going to read uh, through in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 5. I'll actually first read uh, just verses 5 to 10. It says this in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. 
in putting everything under him, God left nothing that was not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of, thou salvation, of their salvation perfect through suffering. Let me just pray. Dear Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And Lord, I pray that you just, your, your spirit guide us through it now. Teach us, Lord, as your church. Help us to honor you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This great passage in Hebrews chapter 2 Verses 5 to 10 really talk a lot about uh, Jesus the man. Now, I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, you've ever thought of what Jesus looks like. Some of you have uh, maybe, you know, you've seen some depictions of Jesus, some uh, what people think he may look like. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, our Western concept of Jesus, which is commonly promoted uh, in even children's Bibles and things like that, it's probably a bit more uh, white and, uh, and clean cut than, uh, than Jesus uh, may have actually appeared in his day as he walked uh, and talked with his disciples. Uh, Jesus would have, in fact, probably gotten some, uh, some dirty, dusty feet along the, uh, the long walks. The Bible actually says that, um, alludes to the fact that he, he may not have been too pretty to look at. Uh, someone may have turned their face Someone who um, you may have turned your face when you, you pass him. We depict him as beautiful, uh, mostly, I think, because of who he is to us. And it's not that we're trying to depict Jesus as something he's not, but to us, because of Jesus' love and, and, and um, what he's done for us, especially, we, we present him as this holy and pure and, and beautiful person. Well, the writer here in, in Hebrews uh, kind of tries to do the same thing in, in uh, depicting who Jesus is, but in fact, kind of the opposite way. He's actually trying to get people to realize that the rugged man that uh, they had known or heard about, the one who walked along with the disciples and, and, and did these miracles and taught these things, is in fact God in the flesh. This isn't just an ordinary man. This isn't just someone that they've heard stories about who has done all these miracles and wonderful things. This in itself, this man is God uh, in flesh. And all the authority and all his majesty and power. Now, in the early church, it was not uncommon for people to not only believe in angels, but to have seen these messengers from God and to know of their power and strength. And the writer here actually begins this section by saying that uh, Christ actually has more power and authority than the angels. But that God himself has made him lower than the angels, made him as a man, placed everything under his feet. In verse 7 says, God has made him uh, lower than the angels. He has made him as a man. He has taken this God. He himself has come in the form of a man to be tempted as, as we are, to, to hunger as we do, 
to struggle sometimes as we do, to feel the heat as we do, to appreciate the cool as we do. He was human in every sense of the word in that. And yet, God placed everything under his feet, which simply meant he has all the power and authority, so much greater uh, than the angels who the people recognized their power and strength. They said, this man who you've known about and you've heard stories of, of his miracles, you've heard of his work, you've heard his teachings, and many of you may be trying to follow that. This is more than just a man. This is God himself. Verse 8 to 10 says, God placed everything under his feet. In verse 7, but verse 8 to, 8 to 10 says, right now we don't see everything is under his feet. There are some who don't follow him. There are some who choose not to follow in his ways or to accept the grace that he offers. But we know that God, through Christ, came to deliver all mankind from the penalty of death. And here, when he mentions death, it's not just talking about the physical death, but a spiritual death, eternal separation from God. Even those who right now are choosing not to follow God, even those right now who are choosing not to acknowledge Christ's authority and His majesty and His power, even those, Christ came to die for. He came to, to pay the price for all mankind so that any who choose to believe in Him could have life instead of death. This man who you've known about, who you've, you've heard testify of his wonderful works, is far more than just a rugged creature, a rugged man. This is God in flesh who came for a purpose, and that purpose is to save all mankind. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all will be brought to eternal life. And he offers that freely to any and to all who will choose. Isn't that a great start to that, part, that passage? This is not just a man. This is God. But it's God who came as a man, and you go, why would he do that? He did that for a purpose, to share with you eternal life, to give to you hope when you were lost and enslaved in sin. And so it goes on in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning verse 11, to say this. Hebrews 2, verse 11 to 18 says this. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. In fact, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing out your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Verse 11 to 13. It says, Jesus 
walked really as a man. He talked as a man. And it says he considers us mere mortals, mere humans to be his brothers, his sisters, his family. And it says both he who makes us holy, which is Jesus, and those who are made holy, which is us as his followers, are of the same family. Now, we are pretty used to, in the, in the Western church today, we're pretty used to hearing the fact that we're all in the family of God. We're brothers and sisters, uh, heirs to God's power and, and strength, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. God's love is freely given to all of us as his children. But in the days of the early church, as the writer here is writing to Hebrews, it's a pretty foreign concept to think that God, who created all things, would consider you his family. This is far greater than saying, hey, the king of the land, the one with all the power and the authority, the one who can wipe out all your enemies, he's now your dad, your family, your, your royalty. You're in the line, you've gone from being a peasant to in the line of, of royalty. It's far greater than that. To say, no, no, even stronger than that, even with more power and more authority than that, the creator of all the universe, the one who was there from the very beginning, the one who has no beginning and no end, this eternal, incredible God considers you family. And he makes you holy. He who is holy makes you holy. Now, in the term holy here, it's not just talk. Sometimes we think holy is, is pure or, or perfect in every way. Here it's not really talking about perfection, but holy being set apart for a purpose. Christ, who was set apart for a purpose of coming to bring about our salvation, Christ who came, God who came in the form of a man in Jesus Christ, came for a purpose to bring about our salvation, to pay with his own life for our sin. And so he who was set apart for a purpose sets us apart for a purpose of, of sharing his love and grace with others. He was made man that he might become Messiah. Messiah, or, or the word Christ, simply means he was the promised deliverer. Now, in the Old Testament, or from the Old Testament, or the Jewish scriptures, uh, we, we hear a lot about the Messiah who's going to come, who will deliver the people, who will uh, restore Israel, or bring hope to, it seems, a forgotten people of God. And the New Testament times were filled with people who were longing for that Messiah, longing for that promised one who was going to come and restore the, the nation of Israel to the prestige and power that it had back in King David's time. And then we have New Testament scriptures like Hebrews, which presents that Jesus actually is that Messiah. He's not a military king who came to uh, lead the people victorious in a military battle, but he is God himself. He's not just another king appointed by God. This is God himself who came down in the form of man to bring about ultimate 
salvation. Freedom from the bonds of sin. Eternal life with God forever and ever in His presence. This is a peace and a security like the people had never dreamt of. They, they were used to a king who would come and lead them in battle. They would bring security to their land or security to their walls for a, a moment, for a while, for a season. But God says, that's not enough. You are still in danger of a far greater thing than, than the physical threats of other armies. You're in danger of being separated from God for all eternity because of a sin. God loves mankind. He created us in His own image. And He created us to have fellowship with Him. And sin separates us from God. It takes us out of that fellowship with Him. And this breaks the very heart of God. Because He, he wants us to be with Him for all of eternity. And so enters Christ. The one who was set apart for a purpose. Sent by God to be born as a man, to live as a man, to be tempted and tested yet without sin, perfect and sinless in every way. Only He, God in flesh, has the power over death. And even the power over the one who holds the power of death, which verse 14 says is the devil. Jesus breaks once and for all the chains of sin. Because he bore the sins of all mankind on the cross. And by his death, conquering all and offers life. As God raised him from the, from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he offers life to any who will choose to believe in him. For now, even, even death, a physical death cannot separate us from God. All of our, our wrongs, uh, the things that we do, the mistakes that we think, well, surely this pulls me away from God. All of our wrongs, all of our sins are forgiven. They can no longer divide us from God because of Christ Jesus. He has paid the price for those sins so that we can be at one with God. So we can have atonement for our sins. Now, I know I've said many times I'm... Just a simple person, he words broke down for me, I think. Well, atonement's one of those words that I just go, oh, what's that mean? And someone many years ago just told me that it just simply means at one moment. Okay, does that make sense? Atonement uh, means we're brought at one, made at one with God. Uh, so for me, maybe simple stuff doesn't make sense to you, but to me, atonement, I just think at one moment. It's a moment when we're brought at one uh, with God. Christ died for my sin, for your sin, so that those wrongs that we do don't hold us away from God, don't separate us from God. Even our own physical death cannot separate us from God. We have no fear or need to have no fear of any physical death because eternal life is ours through Christ Jesus. We have a God who is unstoppable. He is indescribable. He is all-powerful. He's amazing. And He sent His Son. In fact, He sent Himself. He came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, walked and talked as a man, was tempted in every way as a man, yet without sin. And He bore our sins on the cross 
so that we could be free. So that that payment for our sin, which is death, we don't have to bear. We don't have to, to go through with that because Christ paid that for us once and for all, for all mankind. And now, and now we are people of hope, a people of security, a people of peace, people who know, we know who holds our future. We know that we are in God's hands. We know that although we stumble along the way and we mess up, those sins don't keep us from God because Christ has paid the price for those sins. Christ has forgiven those sins. Christ has made us at one with God. He has atoned those sins. He has justified us and purified us of all that unrighteousness and given us a place. Paul says our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We are eternally secure in Him. This week as I prepared for the message, I was reminded of a, an old hymn. And many of you uh, know this song. We're going to end up closing with this. But some of the words just go like this. Oh soul, are you wearied and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We serve a powerful God who came in the form of man in Jesus Christ. But he came with a purpose and he fulfilled that purpose in living to teach us about God's kingdom and showing us about God's love in, in modeling and, and living out God's love for us but in ultimately paying our sin, the price for our sin, the cost for our sin, the punishment for our sin, Christ Jesus the one who is holy, the one who is pure, the one who is perfect in every way, paid that price on the cross. By his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. God raised him from the dead. We serve a living Savior who's ascended into heaven to sit at God's right hand and will return for his church who offered us, who deserve to be separated from God, he offers to us life and peace and security. So that no matter what we face each day, if we give our heart to Christ, if we surrender our lives to Him, it does not matter what the world throws our way. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to worry about. All we have to do is look in His face. All we have to do is look to Him. And all of a sudden, when we realize what a strong God we serve, when we realize all of His power and authority, all of a sudden, all those problems seem to disappear. Because we know, you know what? <laughs> These things seem huge until I look at God. So when I look at God, I just go, oh, wow, that's nothing. Because we serve a God who just goes, what? Oh, oh, that mountain's in your way. Oh, well, let me pick that up and move it for you. It's nothing. I created that mountain. I put it there. Well, I can rearrange it. My wife does that all the time with the furniture. Yeah. 
I walk in, oh, the lounge room is now the bedroom, the bedroom's the lounge room. She goes, I'll put it there, I can rearrange it, I can move it. God can do that with mountains. God can do that with oceans. He can do that with dramas. He can do that with stresses. He can do that with pressures of the world. And he says, you are mine. I have bought you with the precious blood of Jesus. And I will care for you. And I will provide for you. And I love you all the days of your life. And even after this physical life is over, you just keep on being in God's presence. We have security, eternal security because of Jesus. We're just going to sing this, um, this last song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And as we sing this song, I want to ask you to just have a look at your own heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you go, you know what? God is just doing something in my heart and he's saying, you know what? I just need to surrender to him. I need to, I need to renew that commitment to me, to, to God. I need to renew that commitment this morning. If he's laid that on your heart, then as we sing this song, I just pray you just, you surrender to him. You just turn your eyes on him. And come down and you can just pray this, um, the Baptist church, so the front row is always empty here. So we've got a nice front row here for you to um, just bow down and pray and have some time to just get things right with God. Maybe you want to, uh, uh, to talk with me and pray with me. Uh, I'm here and available to do that. But however God's leading you this morning, this is your time to um, just get things right with Him. An opportunity that we give you as a church just to surrender to God who is able.